Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Squash Podcast, episode 107. And today we have on world number 21, Emily Whitlock. Uh, a few of the, of the listeners have reached out to me uh, lately and uh, asked to have Emily on. I reached out to her, and boom, uh, here we are. Uh, she came on, and we had a really, uh, really interesting, really lively conversation with Emily. She's uh, easy to talk to and uh, really enjoyed uh, this one. Uh, we begin by talking a little bit about, uh, as many of you might know, her father, uh, Philip Whitlock, is her coach, and uh, he was a top 10 player back in the uh, early 90s, uh, and uh, he's her coach, and we talk about how the father-daughter-coach-player combo manifests itself and uh, how she gleans uh, the coach speak from, from her father. It's quite, a, quite an interesting dynamic, and it's been a successful one uh, as well. Uh, Philip, by the way, he's also uh, coaching uh, Declan James uh, these days, and we talk a bit about that as well. Um, we also look back at her early successes on tour. She did uh, turn pro at a young age and actually won several events. We look back at uh, 2012, which was a year that was particularly uh, uh, successful one for her. Uh, we talk about that, and we talk about how uh, her affinity with uh, with Canada and how she done she's done well and. Some of her favorite uh, tournaments, uh, I think, are in uh, the Calgary and Winnipeg area, so uh, the Canadian listeners might uh, enjoy that. Uh, then we look at the British Nationals from last year, where she uh, she reached the the final, finishing runner-up, uh, and we talk about what that means to her, and you might be surprised at how she uh, how she responds to that. And also in 2017, some of you may remember when uh, Emily refused to play in the first ever Saudi uh, Women's Pro event, you know, taking a stand on uh, their treatment of women in that country. And we uh, talk at, at length about uh, how that all played out and what happened in the aftermath. I know you'll, uh, you'll find that quite interesting. And then uh, before we, we finish off, uh, she wanted to uh, chime in on uh, Declan James' Master Chef performance uh, recently on PSA Squash TV or uh, something along those lines, and uh, we we have a little bit of a, a laugh about that as well. So I know you're going to enjoy this one, episode 107 with Emily Whitlock, the number 21 player in the on the women's uh, PSA ranking. She's a multi-time winner on the PSA uh, tour, uh, the 2019 British National uh, Championship runner-up. And uh, she kicks off her season in Nantes uh, in a few days against Mina Nasser. Uh, Emily Whitlock uh, is my guest. Hi, Emily. Hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> good. Not too bad. Yourself? Uh, feeling good. Feeling good. It's great to have you on. I actually, I've had a few uh, few of my listeners uh, had requested that uh, I, I uh, reach out to you and I, I, I was going to do so anyway. So, uh, thanks for, okay. uh, thanks for doing it. <laughs> I was, I, I, I you have, you have quite the fan base out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess, uh, just before we get into, uh, things too deeply, you've got, uh, you've got nonce coming up, uh, in a few days, you're leaving, uh, the UK on Sunday. So, uh, I guess how's the summer, uh, preparations, uh, for you and now now that you have uh, your first event uh, but ready to kick off um yeah summer's been good it's it's always interesting how three months turns into three days worth of summer training um <laughs> but yeah i've put the graft in i feel like i've done the right things so yeah it's 
time to get going, I think. Time to get going. And you play uh, uh, Mina Nasser. I, I don't really recognize the name. Have you, have you played her before? Yeah, Menat Nasser was a, she's my age, maybe like, okay. I think she's a year old. She's a you're, year older than me, but like. 26 years old? I'm 25. 25, okay. Yeah, I'm 25. She'll turn 26 in January. Okay. But we were like in the same age group. Um, she's born 93. So we were like in the same age group for like within the two year bracket. So we played a couple of times in juniors and I've played uh, maybe, I want to say twice back when it was like WSA. Okay. And I've managed to beat her when I've been older. When I was younger, she was like really, really good under 13, under 15 level. Um, right. I, she didn't really sort of go on to play pro tournaments all the time. Mm. I, I don't know if she was studying or whatever, but yeah, we get on and same age. It's nice to see familiar names again. So right yeah, on. it should be good. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Some of you, uh, you know, from the junior days. So uh, that should be a lot of fun then. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, now, if you don't mind, I'd like to sort of look back a little bit, get a bit of a backstory, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm sure the, the, no? the UK listeners uh, know quite a bit about you, uh, but uh, maybe maybe no, others might not. Uh, no. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, your I don't father. Think anybody really knows the situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, well, well. Your father, uh, Philip, uh, was a, a former world top ten player and a British national. Uh, uh, I think British national champion one year. Uh, so obviously yeah. somehow you, uh, you were going to end up on a, on a squash court and it turned out that, that you um, did. Well, yeah. do you know what? It's funny because my parents, my dad only got into squash because he went to public school in uh, the South of England. And in the winter they would play fives, which is like this old man sport thing where you hit right. a ball against a wall with both hands kind of thing. It's like handball, but you're hitting, it's like squash, but with your hands, I think. Okay. Um, he, bru- he bruised his left thumb and they said, all right, you go, go off to the squash courts. And he was 15 at this point and never played. And if he hadn't have done that to his thumb, he played a lot of rugby to a quite a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he hadn't have done that, he would never have been introduced to the game at that point. He might have done later in life, like at uni or whatever, but it was at that point where he first learned to play. And then he played a bit more at university while still playing rugby and would come over because him and my mum met at uni in the north of England. And she's from where we live now in Cowan Bay. So they'd come over every weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And my dad would train at this club that we now own. It's, a, it's more of a health club now, more of a gym. Okay. Um, so we've had that since I was two. But I didn't start playing until I was nine because I had absolutely zero interest. <laughs> apart from maybe like knocking the ball about. I used to try and break the lights, apparently, just trying to hit the ball straight up because right, I'm right. an idiot and, you know, <laughs> why not? Right. And I think if you look at me and my brother, I've got a younger brother, um, just one sibling. And if you looked at both of us, he's definitely more the athlete out of the two of us, naturally. Right. So it's really funny. A lot of people just assume, not that it's in- incorrect of you to think that, but my parents never really pushed us to do anything in particular just to be active. And I asked my dad once, I was like, did you ever think you'd, you know, get me? Because I, I drag him to all the events now because he's my coach. And I'm like, you've right. got to come with me because if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. Um, and I'm like, did you ever think you'd do the circuit again as a coach or whatever? And he was like, no, thought I was done. 
<laughs> it's like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, he's also but, coaching uh, some other players. I think uh, uh, memory serves because Declan James, because uh, I had him on my podcast and he mentioned it uh, and your name came up, obviously. So uh, he, he's yeah, got a few players out there. Oh, did you? Okay. No, just, yeah. Just at the moment, it's just me and Deck. Mm-hmm. He did used to coach some other people. Um, he's coached Stuart Boswell, Laura Massaro, um, Kareem Alifathi for a while, and some other juniors in Britain. Like, people have come over and hit with me. And at the club, we've got me, Ellen Harlow, who was a British junior champion from Wales. She's based at the club. She doesn't play pro anymore, but she still plays regularly. Like I train with her sometimes. Yeah. And we had a girl called Hannah Williams who got to the semi. She was quite really good as a junior, sort of semi-final standard of nationals. And yeah. we had a girl called Natalie Pritchard, who was okay. She she was national champion as well. So he's he's coached quite a few junior players. At one point at our club, we had sixty kids juniors oh, playing wow. in That's this great. tiny That's time of Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean things ebb and flow and it's not quite the same now, but yeah, no, my dad, yeah, he, he's coached quite a few people. Not so much now though. People seem to think he still does. Cause that's what nobody updates their bios. Right. So right. <laughs> that's the thing. His, his Wikipedia bio hasn't different. been updated yet. Yeah, no. pretty much. Someone, someone could just go in there and do it. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll go in and try to, to rewrite it then. I've seen all sorts on Wikipedia. It's yeah. funny. Yeah, you can I'm go in. I'm tempted just to write. Any, anyone can go in yeah. and write some. Yeah, but I was gonna. Uh, I no, read somewhere. Yeah, I read somewhere though uh, uh, that you. I guess your relationship, your your player coach relationship with your father is quite quite different, and that uh, you mentioned Laura Massaro. It was through his success with her that you started to uh, to sort of uh, to gain a, a bit more knowledge from from him. Uh, could you maybe give us a little bit of uh, insight into that part of it yeah I mean it's always difficult I mean it's you don't want your dad telling you what to do all the time let's I know. be honest uh, I've got two daughters um, but it, <laughs> they don't want you telling them what to do all no, the time I can tell never. you that for free mm-hmm. no offense <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but you learn because I'm his kid so naturally he's probably gonna care more about my career than anyone else's and the way he talks to me about my squash is a little bit different because it's probably just really familiar. Like it's just the, mm. the, the kind of chat we have is just different. Whereas I learn more from when he coaches other people because it is a proper sort of, he has this like coach voice, if right, you know what I mean. Right. So I'm stood on court. I like going on court with other people who come over to have dad's, to have dad's coaching so that I can listen to coach advice coach speak I, yeah. I, I try and call, yeah I try and call my dad Phil at the club and dad at home that's my little separation thing right um so like if we're at tournaments he's always it's em and Phil is he, is he home, cool with that like that oh yeah no my mum and dad my mum gave me and my brother this rule when we were kids like teeny tiny kids that if we ever got lost in the supermarket don't start shouting mum because there are a million mums in Tesco okay like <laughs> you know, say, say Jen, Jen, you know, cause it's like, there, there's not going to be many Jens in Tesco, let's be honest. So yeah. It, and it, we've got a family business with the health club. My brother works there now. So it's, yeah, you have that separation because you don't want to be serving someone behind the counter and going, mum, how does the till work? It's like, right. no, just 
there's a separation <laughs> and I'm quite good at not to blow me on trumpet you, you, you just learn as you go along but I've learned to have Phil at work and dad at home right so that that's the only way I can explain it it's just about I know that my dad's advice is like on point so if I'm going to try and gain anything from that in an efficient, because you know, life's short, you know, I want to be efficient with my time and right. I want to try and get the most out of every situation. So if I can find a way to get it into my system quickly, if that literally means just calling him his name right. when I'm at a squash court, then that works. It seems to work for me. Like, so yeah, yeah coach per- speak. Coach yeah. speak. And, and was, uh, uh, you met um, uh, Laura Macero. She was, uh, I guess, about nine in the world when he sort of took over, and yeah. she got up to number two in the world. And what was it during Correct. during that during that uh, period uh, that that you noticed that was successful in, in their player coach relationship that you maybe uh, took in or applied to your own game? Um, that nothing. If, nothing beats hard work. Mm. at the end of the day um she came over and i think she was seven in the world but her ranking was going to go down to nine and then she did her ankle in in malaysia and then she was about 10 she managed to keep it around 10 11 or whatever and she was coming back and she couldn't do much because she'd done her ankle in so it was like you know you got to keep in shape hint hint wink wink nudge nudge and she got (laughs) in really good shape and she was really really fit to the point where it was like, you know, I'm beating Nicole. She was beating Nicole David. She beat her in Cleveland. So, right. and at that point, Nicole was, you know, she was still at the top of the game and the physicality was what everyone was raving on about with Nicole. And before you know it, Laura's competing with her physically. So that's kind of what I took from it. It's like, okay, yeah, I know I'm doing these things. I'm just 10 years younger. So hopefully... Right. As I get older and stronger and keep doing that, it is the right way. I've seen it work. So yeah, it's just yeah. kind of heard 10 years. It's a 10-year sort of advanced version of what I might be like if I did what I'm doing now, if you know what I mean. Right on. Yeah. Well, Laura was, I mean, definitely hard work and perseverance, and uh, that all really paid off uh, for her, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you're currently uh, at number 21 in the world. You, I think you reached as high as 12. Uh, uh, I think it was in Correct. 2017. Yeah. So uh, let's look back a little bit at uh, 2012, which uh, which to me was quite amazing. I don't know, it's probably never been done before. You won three consecutive tournaments uh, on two separate occasions in one year. Is that correct? You know more than me. Um... <laughs> Did I win three consecutive tournaments uh, twice Probably in one year? It mean, was in 2012. You know what? That wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me because I went through a phase of, it was probably like five, 10 Ks, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that would have been right when you, uh, turn, uh, maybe, maybe when you just first started playing professionally full time. Yeah. I was 17, mm-hmm. 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do remember something like that. And I think it was just down to the fact that I'd, I could get, I remember getting ranking points from playing under 19 events in Europe. And they would, they had these WSA rising star events. Okay. And I'd, I'd won the British junior, no, I'd 
done well in the British Junior Open and was doing well in the European circuit. And my mum had noticed that some of the younger Egyptians were playing in like the world championships and qualifying for bigger events. And there were loads of events in Egypt at the time. And she said, you might want to start going into under 19 tournaments to try and win them and get 60 points for a WSA ranking. Right. And I'm like, I'm, fi- I'm 15. I can't win these events. Anyway, we managed <laughs> to pick and choose the ones that I could win and then ended up winning the ones that I didn't think I could win, but be people who were like three years older than me. Okay. So I managed to get to like 60 in the world when I was 16, wow. purely from playing wow. junior tournaments. I totally played the system. It was great. Right on. Okay. Um, have so they, have, they, have they fixed that glitch in the system or is it, is it still possible? Well, it's not to, WSA anymore, is no, it? No, no. It's not WSA anymore. It's PSA. It's, it's all changed. So it's, it, it's a bit different these days with the way they do tournaments anyway. But right, I right. got to tournaments. The ranking I had got me into these 5Ks and I could qualify for some 25s in Europe. And yeah, I was finishing school. And I remember my mum and dad talking to me and being like, you don't want to just turn up to these bigger events and just losing first round, just like having no pressure kind of thing. You know, do what you did in juniors and learn how to win. Right. right. So I, yeah, I, I, you, you learn how to win four matches back to back. I remember going to Malaysia for a 5K and I got food poisoning in the semifinals. Ooh. And I managed, to, I managed to win just by drinking some electrolyte drink and getting out of my system won that, won the final. And that was like a real turning point. Cause it's like, you know, you have to go through the phase of there's five people watching you in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. No one cares what the result is. It's just like, hurry up. We want to watch the men. And <laughs> yeah, I, I might, that, that's true. You can't even, that, that is just true. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you have to really dig in. I've dragged my dad all the way out to Kuala Lumpur. And it's like, what the hell? And yeah, I won that. And I think I won a tournament in Finland as well. Okay. And so that was all end, about, that was back in 2012, end, 2013, wasn't it? Yeah I, mean, yeah. I remember the end of 2012 because I remember winning a 10K in Madison, a 10K at my club, and then the British Junior Open. Okay. And then I turned 19. Well, that, I remember that. Well, they, they were good years for you then. Yeah. It was all yeah. right, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, for sure. And then uh, the, what, what happened in 2015, 2016, me being Canadian, uh, uh, real, is really interesting. I, I think you won the Cal, uh, your first Challenger Series event in, uh, yep. in Calgary, which is where I was born. Yep. And then, uh, then in tournament. 2016, you also won Calgary again and Winnipeg. So I'm guessing you, uh, you really yep. enjoy playing in the Great White, uh, Great White North. I bloody love Canada. It's great. Yeah. Um, Calgary. That's my favorite event, Calgary, and um, really? the Winter Club. Oh, the Calgary. Um, yeah, that's a beautiful. That's Jackson an amazing club, eh? It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got every, did you try curling with... when you were there? I did. Hurt you did. Hips, okay. Jeez, <laughs> um, I got a white hat and everything. We had a white hat ceremony. I've still got it in my room. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, shout out to Janice and Andrew, my amazing amazing billets um yeah they're friends for life now we're like friends on facebook and everything okay <laughs> it's great yeah. um but yeah i went through a phase of again you know I, I think i was like 15 in the world at the ta- no the first time i won calgary i was 27 in the world i had a bit of an illness for about two three months my ranking plummeted and i went through that phase of again like okay i need to win tournaments again going through the four rounds and not just turn up and lose first round or whatever mm-hmm. 
And then I did it again because I really liked the tournament and I wanted to go back. And I remember going back to Winnipeg instead of playing Cleveland that 50K because I wanted to win Winnipeg because I'd been once before and I lost. Okay, <laughs> and okay. I, thought I, want, I, I, I thought I want that weird trophy because it's like someone who, it's some artist lady who made this like clay sculpture thing. And I thought, okay. Do you know what? I need to go back <laughs> and redeem myself. Yeah, yeah. I need to go back, redeem myself, prove that I can win these events. And I did it. And it's kind of, it's like a, it's like, it's just proving a point to myself. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. I forget about these. It's good that you check the stats. I do. Well, yeah, I've got to do, I've got to do my preparation, you know. Fair fair plays. Yeah, at least you do. Not many, not. No, I was going to say when I noticed uh, how well you played in Canada, I mean, I had to ask you about that. (laughs) Sure. Where about you from? I'm from Halifax, so we uh, we always host. Well, we used to host the Blue Nose Classic, which was only yeah. for the men. Yeah. But uh, quite a few guys. Yeah. I think Peter Barker's won it. Daryl Selby's won it. Uh, Miguel Rodriguez. Do you fancy doing a women's event? Sorry. Do you fancy doing a women's event? <laughs> oh, they they should do one. I mean, uh, I don't see why not. But uh, yeah, they definitely they should do one. I I, I live in Dubai now, though, so uh, I mean, I'm I'm not. Uh, do you? Yeah. I thought you were on holiday yeah. there. No, no, no. That this is. I've been here for twelve years. So, bloody hell! What'd you do there? Well, what the, I, I work for for a university here, so, and I have a podcast. That's so which, cool. Which doesn't pay me any money. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. So you played well in Canada, and uh, have you been back since twenty uh, sixteen? Let me think. I have to go through like the calendar year in my head now. Um, 2016. No. No. Have I not been back to Canada since 2016? That sucks. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, well, that, that, that's just telling you they, they should host more sort of, uh, 50, they should have a 50K event for women. I, I don't oh, think they do. I have. Mm-hmm. I have. I went back to Regina this year. Oh, okay. So you that like the awful. West, that, that's West Coast, Calgary, Winnipeg, Regina. Oh, so that's, uh, were you there during the winter? E- March. Anyway, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, 2019, 2020 was a bit, uh, I, guess, I guess you could say a mixed bag for you, but, but really what, what stood out to me was the British national final. Uh, you had a, an incredible uh, uh, run to the final, and then you just, uh, just lost out to Tessney Evans. But what did uh, reaching the final of the nationals mean to you? To be honest, the last the last couple of years have been a bit stressful, and mm. I'd managed to perform to a level that I know I can perform at um, in that semi final match against Alison. But I couldn't. Alison yeah, Water, yeah, I I I played quite freely, and um, I don't know it. it I've had a problem with my Achilles for about two years that I didn't actually know I had. Mm. And I'd been turning up to tournaments for the last 18 months, kind of playing and then not being able to back up physically and not being able to understand why. And it's only really been this summer that I've got the proper diagnosis. Right. Um, so I played Allison, I played great. And then I turn up the next morning and I'm just like, why do I feel slow? Like, have I gained like a stone overnight? Like, what, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so overall, yeah. I mean, Sarah Jane Perry didn't play it. A couple of other players didn't play it. So she I'm, was injured too, wasn't she? 
Yeah. Yeah. She had a, she had her elbow issue. Um, yeah. So I'm not really sort of thinking that I'm like the second best in the country or anything, but in terms of who was put in front of me and. Regardless, yeah, I, I it was okay, still a good draw. But, it was still a. Yeah. You have to execute, but. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't. I haven't really taken too much from that, to be honest. Sorry to put a downer on it. And it's, it's great that no, you no. think it's great, but I just. Well, I, I mean, um, uh, uh, it's a national final, so I'm sure, uh, to some degree, you must think uh, you mu- you must give it some some sort of a uh, give yourself some sort of credit for getting that far, anyways. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nice to be able to say. Um, but you're not. You're but not completely. You're not completely satisfied with it. Nah, that's the thing. I, it, it looks very nice on paper, I'm sure, to someone yeah. reading it. But for me, f- for the experience and, and the whole thing, it, it could have, I mean, that, that, the day of the finals, personally, gen- like a, a lot of stuff was going on anyway, so it wasn't so great generally. But the whole week itself, yeah, it was, at least I know I could perform for some of the time, you know? Right, right. So... So you're you're going to be back uh, looking for uh, looking to do your, to do one better maybe the next time around. Yeah, I'm looking to do some damage this season. Absolutely. Physically, I feel good and yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of back to. You feel healthy, strong. Yeah, fit. I feel yeah. it's not. It's nice to be able to say if I win or lose, I really don't care as long as I can come off court in one piece and to be able to say I can run for every ball. Yeah. That's great because I haven't been able to. I had genuinely haven't been able to say that for about two years, without knowing why. I just thought I was really unfit. <laughs> right. right. Well, that, that's, so. well, that sounds good. That sounds promising. Uh, and I guess, like you know, uh, yeah. last last year, uh, well, being in the top twenty, uh, and that just means that you're in every big tournament. You've you've got a first round match or second round uh, match, uh, and and uh, these matches, yeah. none of them are are easy. So, I guess uh, you know. Oh no. So the, the results are going to be a little more difficult to come by. How did you feel about uh, your your PSA events last year? How how the season went for you? I guess, yeah, I guess with the in, injuries bag. probably uh, held you back a little bit. That's the thing. I could perform for like one match, and then for just some reason the next day it wouldn't. I'd just be a bit off. I wouldn't say like it was me limping around on one leg kind of thing but it was definitely sort of I don't feel right today but you can't take anything away from opponents and say oh I was injured for that match because otherwise why would you go on court do you know what I mean it's not that kind of it's not that kind of scenario it's just a case of something isn't quite I'm not quite me um so I feel like it was a mixed bag. I feel like the squash was good, like the, in terms of what I do with the ball, the way I hit the ball, the tactics, the, the squash brain. That was all kind of there. But then physically, when it doesn't quite match up, it can get really depressing. So, no, I know the feeling. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're out there on the court and you're not able to, uh, to get a ball or move the way that you, you know you can, that, that's got to be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was generally a mixed bag. But to yeah. be able to say that I'm ranked 21 in the world, you know, and the way I was feeling made me feel like I was ranked 221 in the world. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a first world problem. Like, do you know what I mean? I got yeah. injured doing something I really like. It's not like I got injured by being in a, I don't know, 
by being out in Afghanistan serving my country because there's war going on or whatever, you know, it's a first world problem. I'm playing squash for a job. <laughs> right. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> you know I know. Mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you, uh, in 2017, you were ranked uh, as high as 12. So, um, I mean, physically, if you can get back to where you were, there's no reason why you, you can't do, uh, you can't get back to 12 or even higher. Right. No, exactly. The thing is, all you need these days is a good run in a big tournament. So mm. you just need, sometimes you can graft for years and years for just one week of perfection. So, you know, I don't always have to think I have to perform at every single event. I could just maybe do well in one week. So it might, it'll, it'll come when it comes. It's all good. But mentally, I'm quite happy. I'm happy with where I'm at. So that's Perfect. nice. That's good. That's good. Now, um, I know in 2017, you received uh, some press from outside the squash uh, community when, when, uh, when, you when you declined the invitation to play in the Saudi women's PSA event. And I think, uh, correct, uh, I'm going to try to quote you here. You said, uh, the money and the ranking points don't even come close to the moral standards, uh, which, are, which are more valuable for me. So, Looking back on that, I mean, many applauded you for the stance that you took and from outside the squash community. What do you remember about, uh, about that time and, and the decision you made at that time not to play? So we were at, I was at a summer squad in 2017 and it was with the England lot. So it was all, all the women. We were out for food in Manchester and I remember Laura, it was after like World Series finals and stuff. It was like right in the middle of July. And um, Laura Massaro was going on about the fact that there was going to be the tournament in Saudi Arabia and they're trying to do this and this and whatever. And we all kind of sat around this table like, okay. And I'm kind of thinking that's quite cool initially. Like, mm. you know, that, fair play. They don't normally like women there, you know, right? whatever. Um, <laughs> But then, but then she was saying things like, oh, but they'll probably say we have to wear T-shirts and leggings to cover the knees and yeah. there might not be men watching. She was kind of saying about the possible restrictions and blah, blah, blah. And um, one of the players turns around and says, do we have to wear leggings? Because they don't when they train. <laughs> right. And um, I was like, oh. and to be honest, the first thing that came into my mind was, no one should be told what to wear. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah. That's, kind of, that's kind of how it all came about. I'm like, that's not quite right. And then I came home, I told my mum and dad, and I was like, this is happening, apparently, but I don't know how I feel about it. And, you know, it was like, well, when it comes on the calendar and it's a definite, then you can think about it. It's like, yeah, 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 you don't want to think about potential. Like, it's not even a definite yet. Anyway, it comes on the calendar. It was meant to happen in, like, I think, like, the November at the end of the year. Right. In 2017, but then it got postponed and delayed and whatever. And um, I just, I looked at this thing and I was like, I'm not putting my name in it. Not even, because sometimes you enter a tournament and it's like, oh, go on, you know, enter it. I'll enter this tournament just to shake things up or whatever. But you, I just thought I'm not even pressing the button. I'm not entertaining it. I, this isn't, I don't like this. Yeah. Because the restrictions, the restrictions that were put in place were basically, from what I heard, because obviously I didn't go. I don't know what the experience was like. I got told that we'd have to wear T-shirts and leggings to wear mat to play for matches. Because obviously shoulders and knees. We got told that no men would be allowed to watch or go yeah. into the like the court 
you know, the way they set up a glass court. Actually, the, the one thing that was good about that tournament was that every match was played on a glass court. It, every match was played on the same court. Okay. So that was equal yeah. among, amongst the women. Um, that's ironic. Which was ironic. Because yeah. I was... Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, I was like, that's, that's quite ironic. That yeah. Playing conditions are the same. Yeah. But initially we got told that it was going to be in some women's university or something, and then that got changed to being held somewhere else, and then they were going to stay in a Marriott or something, and then um, that there weren't any men allowed to... That I think Tim Garner was going to go out there, but he couldn't watch the matches, and no referees could go because they were all men. And Sounds it was a bit just chaotic. a segregation thing. Maybe. It just sounds isolated to me. It just yeah. sounded like they were going to be ha- cooped up in a sort of women's institute for a week and not be allowed yeah. to talk to yeah. anybody. Yeah. Uh, or, do you know what I mean? I just, yeah. And then it was in the overview we get for our PSA events where it says about loose fitted clothing. And it, obviously there was this question of, do we have to wear our buyers? And, um, definitely when when you were outside so, of this, uh, you would have had to have worn a, an abaya so, so everything so we have a woman in the who's a member of our gym who lives who, that her husband lives in Saudi and she goes out there for months at a time and she's about the same build as me and was talking to me about my tournament schedule and stuff and I kind of told her about this tournament and she said oh you can borrow my abaya if you want I was like no thanks like, <laughs> yeah you know what I mean yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm kind of going off on one here. No, but no, the whole no, thought process, not at all. The whole thought process was, was initially I was like, okay, this is a gut feeling, but I don't like it. But am I being stereotypically judgmental about a culture I don't know about? So I thought, okay, I'm not going to enter the event yet and I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. I'll just do my research. So what do you do? You go on YouTube. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, yeah. I went on YouTube and I went to find vloggers from Saudi Arabia or any sort of women's rights or Amnesty International trying to just get information. And anyway, I found out that from this one girl who was talking about living in Saudi who now lives in London, and she was basically saying, going back home as an adult, it's like women have no rights. Um, you know, you, And there was this whole guardianship Thing where you know a woman gives birth to a boy and that boy is now in charge of her and yeah, yeah. it's just a bit it's a bit much yeah. and I'm all for different cultures and my favorite la- ride in Disneyland is it's a small world because it just shows that it's a small world and everybody is different and it's all a magical wonderful place and everybody's different and if we we're all the same it, life would be boring totally all for that I am friends with a lot of the Egyptian girls on tour so it's not a case of me being anti-Muslim or racist, as I'm apparently been called. Oh no! <laughs> or whatever. Really? Um, like I'm not. Yeah. Well, like well, like you said, you you hold yourself to a higher or or a high moral standard, and uh, you. I just you, yeah. it just didn't sit well with me. I did this research and I reached out to Amnesty and I said, "Look, this is what's happening. I'm a professional squash player. This tournament's going on." blah, 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 what, you know, what should I do about it? Is this correct? Do I go? Do I just go and take the points and hide in my hotel room for a week? Or mm. do I go and try and make a point? Or is that dangerous? Or do I just not go and make a point? Or do I, what do I do? And um, the CEO of Amnesty 
basically said we're trying like if we'd recommend all the pro players not going to this tournament mm. if they're fully supportive of equality and parity and women's rights and etc yeah. etc et did you did and you so bring like, this up at all to uh, to the psa and any representatives there or did no. you voice this no 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 and, and what, what was there, their basically. reaction to to the press that you got did, did they give you a hard time so, with that or yeah, they did actually. I um, so I got I, I didn't enter this tournament and I wasn't going to talk to anybody about it until someone asked me because that's generally what I do with my business. But it was when my dad was coaching Deck at a tournament in London, and someone had asked him. So one, the promoter of the event, who can check who enters what, basically said, "Why isn't Emily playing in this tournament?" And my dad's like, "How how do you know that?" And you know, he's like, "Well, I can see." And um, dad just said, "Oh, she just doesn't think." reasons one two three and he said that's really good that's a good story you should tell rod gilmore you know he'd write a piece for the times and so i was at a league match in manchester and was just driving home and had like about to get in the car and i get this phone call and it's like 9 p.m at night and it's like oh, i've just heard this do you mind talking about it and i said well i have hands free on my phone i'm not going to be touching anything it's a straight line on the dual carriageway back to home, I have two hours, talk to me now. And so I just had, I just had a chat with this journalist who I know who's written about squash for ages, mm -hmm. just kind of told him the, the gist and was just like, I'm not making some stand. I'm not, I wasn't gonna go to the press. I wasn't gonna make a big fuss about it. I just don't like it. I've done my research. I don't wanna go, not interested, no. Um, and then he put that out I think, you know, he's a journalist. He obviously does yeah, his yeah. research. So he obviously yeah. went to PSA. And I, you know, I think they were putting out a tournament, positively publicizing it. So they've got to kind of back themselves with it. Right. right. And I'm, I, even though I wasn't saying anything negative about it, I only like retweeted the link to my article in the times. Right. Um, it, that's the only time I ever like published anything about it. Um, yeah, I saw you. I, I think since. I saw your retweet, and it was just a retweet. That's what it was. It didn't, you know, you didn't. Yeah, say anything. literally, yeah. I didn't. You didn't. No, I say, didn't oh, start. this is what I no. said. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't start anything off my own. But I just kind of waited for the article. Like I got. He was very kind, actually. He let me read the article before publishing it, just to make sure I was totally happy with it. Because obviously, it's quite. You know, I was the only person not going for these reasons publicly, and it was a bit like you know. I, I basically was just like, you've got to make sure this is done right kind of thing. And I'm not being made a mug of and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and to be fair to him, you know, he looked after me and it was fine. And PSA, you know, there's no personal problems since. And it's just all kind of moved on now. It's old yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's old um, news. So I, to, at first it wasn't, they weren't, I think when, when, when Rod was maybe going about trying to find his information from PSA, because obviously they put the, they're the organization I'm a member of. I think maybe they'd maybe thought I was going to say something that they didn't like or whatever. So I got a phone call and I, I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not saying anything out of order. Like, so. Right. You're fine. just, I mean, like, you can, you, I was just being honest and mm -hmm. I haven't said anything about you guys. I've just said it's a PSA tour event. Um, well, you're yeah. just supporting a cause that you felt you needed to, uh, 
to support yeah, and, and uh, it's something it's, that I think globally any uh, you know many women would uh, all women would applaud you for what you did so now, now do you know what no I got I had a lot of women from Saudi private message me saying fair play don't go it's bad I had because there was a woman there was a chess player who refused to go as well because they told them they had to wear a bias for this world championship and um, this chess tournament and so I was basically saying I'm just doing what this Ukrainian woman's doing um, and so I got a, every tournament I've been to since I've had at least one person say fair play well done for not going and how funny is it that it's not on this year and I'm like oh, do you know yeah. what it's not funny it's not funny I, I'm not kind of I'm not gloating about it but it's like well prove my point like I, I knew it kind of wouldn't because everyone was going on about how it would be a positivity thing for women's rights for Saudi and I'm like it's going to do nothing a squash tournament isn't yeah. gonna improve equality in Saudi Arabia no offense no. I wish it would I wish I wish squash had the ability to make these changes like something like football soccer would you know what I mean I yeah. wish it was like that but it's not no. so and it was really funny because the semi-finals day of the tournament, I was watching the news, the 10 o'clock news on BBC, and it says breaking news from Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, what? Please prove me wrong. Give me some, give, give me some juicy goss. Mm -hmm. And it said, um, breaking news from Saudi Arabia, women allowed to, are now allowed to watch men play football matches in the stadium and not be segregated. And I was like, oh, there's no, no mention of squash, but okay, right, right. whatever. So, yeah, so it, no one's kind of talked to me about it. Even the people who, because so, some of the girls from me retweeting my times, because I thought it was pretty cool that I made it in the times. I genuinely oh, yeah, was absolutely, like, oh, look at yeah. in the times. This, this, this is, and some of the players, no, British I mean, players. I remember when it happened, and uh, I think I do re I remember that article in the times. It got some, it got some decent press. It, it, it made its rounds, and uh, definitely, yeah. you know, I think the stand that you took, I mean, you you may disagree, but it was definitely worth it, and and definitely spread the Thank you. sort of awareness of of uh, you know the stance that you wanted to take. So, um, thank you. I really you. appreciate that. And um, it. it's funny. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. It's funny because from doing that, I've helped with five dissertations and three school projects, and people wanting okay. to talk to me about politics or sports journalism and. They're obviously doing their research for their papers and stuff and they're talking to me and it's like, you know, if I can, if, if it's managing to get through to people. So that's quite nice. That's um, cool. I just wish that some of the girls, I wish that some of the girls who had said, who had tweeted from, it took me retweeting my Times article for anyone to tweet about it off their own back. Right. Um, which, I don't, which I don't mind. You know, and there were some indirect sort of comment. I don't really talk to people online who I wouldn't talk to in real life. So right. it didn't really bother me too much. But I wish people would have talked to me about it public, like in conversation, um, whether they're a player or not. But the only, the only talks that I've had with people are positive. That, you know, it, it's always been a case of someone coming up to me and saying, fair play, yeah. you didn't go. And I totally agree with you. And I wish none of the other girls went, but how funny is it that it's not on this year? And it's like, you know what? It's not funny that it's not on this year, but thanks for, you know, I really, so I've had nothing but positivity from it. Right. That's cool. Um, 
which mm. is nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I really do appreciate you saying that it was worth it because sometimes I'm like, was it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's something you believe in. So, uh, and obviously uh, many people uh, take the same position that you do. So, or you did. So, uh, yeah, good for you. It's scary though. It is scary mm. because it was a big tournament. I lost potential ranking points, right. loss of earnings. You know, in, in, in a sport like squash, it's scary because there's not, it, it's improving now for the women because at that time the calendar wasn't looking so great in terms of how many tournaments to play. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had a couple of girls say to me, you know, I'm not looking at the politics side of it. I'm literally just turning up and just playing and I'm like you do you that's fine I'm not having a go at you I'm just saying I'm not playing because of this like it's fine yeah. totally get it don't be political just because I want to be political about it doesn't mean yeah. you have to like I, and it's so ironic because I'm friends with a lot of the Egyptian players and they're fine with me so it's like it's people get that it's not an anti-Muslim thing it's literally no, no. just I don't agree with Saudi God I don't agree with the guardianship rule I don't agree with the lack of equality and the whole second-class citizen Thing that women have got going on i just don't agree with it no. so well i think that, that yeah, was mo it, most really. people don't I, yeah well i just wanted yeah, to so. yeah now uh, uh moving on from politics i wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about uh, something maybe even more important um love island um yes you're a big fan of love island and uh, i'm i've big never actually watched it i've never big. seen it but uh, I, I am a fan of uh, this, this boxer, the, the guy Tyson Fury. And I think his, <laughs> his brother was on, on, the, uh, on the show. So he had, he'd always make Tommy reference to, uh, to his brother who was on this Love Island show. So um, oh, now that gosh. it's over, were you, uh, were you happy with uh, the way, way it all played out? And how did Tyson Fury's brother uh, end up? Uh, what, what happened with him in the, in the end? So, right, I'll give you the lowdown, right? So, okay. Tommy was, <laughs> you're going to think I'm so sad. So, Tommy Fury was linked, was coupled up with this girl called Molly May. And they'd been paired up since she walked into the villa and they'd gone on this hot tub date, blah, blah, blah. And they'd been like coupled up right the way through. And everyone thought that they were going to win this cash prize. Because basically, you go on Love Island yeah. knowing that you, you get coupled up with someone, but at the end, there's a 50 thousand pound cash prize and yeah, what, from what I, I don't mean to interrupt you from what from what i heard though it sounds like he got screwed uh yeah not so they not didn't uh, win. not not literally but yeah he got screwed huh, probably <laughs> but he they yeah they, 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 they stole it from him right they... so no so they so tommy and molly may had been paired up for like what felt like a hundred years but they didn't win Mm -hmm. um this other girl and this irish rugby player won and it was great because this girl had been on a journey with all the love bits whatever you know some boy had dumped her and gone out with someone else and then she found greg and he walked into the villa last minute and they won and it was all fab oh, wow. and dozy okay. yeah and yeah. yeah i know but it was really funny because tommy fury was paired up with this girl for what felt like a lifetime and they didn't win and everyone was, he was good, saying was he a good guy girl, was he a nice yeah, guy? I, I, I mean, I don't know him, but yeah, he seemed like a perfectly nice bloke. Yeah. Um, but the girl he was paired up with is a bit, a lot of people would just think that she just paired up with him for the whole time just to try and win the money. Right. And so when they lost, you can imagine the memes, you can imagine the tweets okay. and just how the conversation would go at the end when they all leave the villa and it's like, oh, okay, so what should we do next week? It's like, okay, bye. You know, it was that sort of, that's kind of why I got hyped up. 
Right. Um, oh, but I love Love Island. I didn't know what to do after it finished. That was sort of like me with uh, with Breaking Bad. Uh, uh, when when I finished the final episode of Breaking Bad, I didn't know what to do. And uh, Emily, it's been uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. I just want to wish you uh, all the best uh, at Nance and in the season. And uh, it's been really fun. And, Thanks. Uh, good luck with everything, and definitely uh, check into Declan's uh, Master Chef uh, cooking uh, prowess. Because uh, I'm not I sure. Will. I'm not I will. sure. I'm not, I'm not so convinced about this now. Who has just eggs for breakfast? Yeah, I don't know. That's so he odd. Said, he said it was fuel, so he, he had to fuel up. So may, maybe, that, maybe we can cut him some slack then. Very smelly fuel, I can tell you. But, okay. <laughs> okay, take care, Emily, and thanks so much. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jerry. Thanks. Cheers. Well, how can you not like that one? Emily Whitlock, episode 107. Thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time, Emily. And uh, thank you all for, for listening. Uh, by the way, the squash season, as you know, is uh, officially uh, underway. We've got nonce going on. We've got uh, the Hong Kong Football Club uh, event going on. We've got several uh, 5 and 10K events going on. And uh, a few have just finished. The China Open has just finished up. So uh, I think uh, Noor El Tayeb and uh, Mohammed El Sherbagi winning that one, setting the tone early. And uh, the events uh, in Nantes and uh, Hong Kong are producing some interesting results. So uh, the season's underway, and it should be a good one. So uh, enjoy your squash. I uh, hope to have a few new episodes coming up, so stay tuned for those. And uh, again, as always, thanks for listening, and enjoy your squash. Goodbye now.